Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and I'm an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the Unbillable Hour each month, we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time, and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. As an attorney who has built and managed my own law firms in Georgia and New York City, I now get to work with hundreds of law firm owners to help them grow professionally and personally. I start with the fundamental premise that a law firm business exists primarily to provide you the financial, personal, and professional needs of its owner. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. Now, before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsor, Answer One. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800 Answer One or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. And today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Empowerment by the Numbers. In a recent episode, we discussed some key questions and strategies around marketing. You've also heard my guests discussing the necessity of real, clear, understandable goals for the law firm business owner. What is their business supposed to be doing for them? Today, we discuss the bridge between marketing and your goals. We bring forth the topic that many lawyers avoid, and quite honestly, some get too involved in, the very enticing and always sexy topic of accounting. Goal setting helps you to become really clear about where you are going and informs your marketing effort on what needs to be done to get there. And none of it really matters if you can't, don't, or won't measure your progress along the way. Indeed, knowing your numbers can be particularly empowering. And I am thrilled to welcome Mickey Deming, the Director of Business Development at Kahuna Accounting. Mickey's work is taking attorneys and their numbers from a place of anxiety to a place of clarity. He is a fellow podcaster and a well-respected thought leader. We'll be talking with Mickey today about how getting clarity on your numbers is empowering for law firm business owners and for you. So let's get started with Empowerment by the Numbers. Mickey, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's great to be here. Great to be talking to you. That's absolutely my pleasure. So first of all, my introduction was really brief, as it usually is. Could you just explain a little bit uh, more than I did, which would be at all? Uh, how did you get into the business of helping law firms with getting clarity around their numbers? How did you get started with this? Sure. Yeah, it was brief, but it was it was a great introduction, actually. So we are Kahuna Accounting, located in central Illinois, which is the least Kahuna place on the planet. And so you know that our story is a little bit different. <laughs> 
our founder, unlike most accounting firms, our founder is not an accountant. He's an entrepreneur, and he is not what you would call a numbers person. He ended up, as he was growing a business, hiring a CFO, an accountant, a bookkeeper to help him get clarity on the numbers. And so when he sold his business a few years ago, he decided to keep that accounting staff and thought, could I help provide that same level of clarity around the numbers for other entrepreneurs as I receive for myself? So he kept the accounting team. Mm -hmm. And about that same time, cloud technology had really advanced to the point where you could, you know, the idea of doing accounting virtually was not even conceived of, you know, 20 years ago. And so in 2013, we launched Kuna Accounting with the mission of simplifying accounting for entrepreneurs all over the country. And about a year in, we just started getting a lot of calls from these small and solo firm lawyers. And it was something that we just kind of stumbled into. And it turned into uh, a great fit on both sides and something we really committed to as we started hearing it more and more. And so since a few years ago, we've really focused on law firms. And now we work with uh, businesses all over the country, and about half of which are small and solo firm lawyers. Fantastic. You know, I'm not surprised, quite honestly. I mean, it's interesting. You'd think that having an episode on numbers, um, or sometimes I, I give talks uh, out there on on accounting or on, on using your numbers in a law firm, and you'd think that that would, like, you'd have no butts in the seats. You'd have people running for the exits. But honestly, I understand why people ran to your solution, because I found the opposite in those talks, too. They come. They still find the topic of accounting to be intimidating and overwhelming. And so let me just start there with you, if you don't mind. Why Why do you think, you, you said more than half your clients are law firms. Why do you think that we, particularly as attorneys, struggle with this you know, really essential part of our business? You know, it's an interesting topic. I think about it a lot. I read a quote recently from Scott Adams, who is the, uh, the guy who created Dilbert, the comic strip. And he said <laughs> that businesses mm-hmm. should, and entrepreneurs and individuals should prioritize accounting more. But what he said is there's a moat of boredom surrounding the industry. And that moat basically <laughs> keeps people out and keeps people at a distance. And it's funny because in your introduction, you know, you said the always sexy topic of accounting. And I feel like anytime I'm doing a talk or an interview like this, I almost have to like apologize up front <laughs> that we're going to be getting into accounting. And, and I do, I think that comes back to what you're talking about. You know, it is intimidating. It is overwhelming. And for a lot of people, it's a mental shift that has to be made. And I think that's what we're going to get into today, that, that it's a, a mindset around accounting and that moat of boredom, that moat of complexity that throws a lot of people off. And I think for attorneys specifically, there are a lot of misconceptions about the role of accounting for the firm as a whole and for the business. And those misconceptions and that mindset challenge creates a lot of problems and it causes people to get off to a bad start and really never get a handle on it. And we see that every day and it really comes down to the mental approach to accounting and getting through some of those misconceptions. Yeah. And you mentioned mindset and I I certainly agree with you about the misconceptions and about the overwhelmingness of it. But I think one of the things also, and I'd like to kind of weave this through if we can, uh, about why it's overwhelming is at the end of the day, having really great grasp of your numbers is being confronted with the truth. Um, the yeah. numbers, as they say, don't lie. And it's impossible 
particularly if you're in a business that's struggling a little bit or you're still trying to get traction, it's sometimes enticing to hide from the truth that the numbers tell you. But the truth, if I don't mind using the cliche, will set you free in that once you know the truth, you can make good decisions. But so let's go to the overwhelmingness. You know, at the end of the day, Mickey, we're attorneys. You know, my this audience, the people who are listening, these are attorneys. These are attorney law firm owners. We know what accounting is. How can we say that there are misconceptions? I mean, you know, we we work with businesses all the time. If their family lawyers are always working with, uh, you know, with the family books, criminal lawyers are doing white collar. I mean, we are all exposed to accounting, but yet you say there are misconceptions. What what's going on with right. that? Yeah, great question. And I want to come back to what you're saying about the truth, because I think that's a really important topic. The misconceptions is a great place to start, because if if you don't get past those, you never even start to see what your numbers are telling you. So I can really break down into three, but spend most of our time on two, because one misconception that attorneys have that's pretty broad, and I think the audience that that you have here don't struggle with it as much, but I do see it, and, and that's the misconception that attorneys don't really see themselves as a business sometimes, that they're just professionals doing a service that they will be paid for. And so that is a huge misconception because when you set out into your small firm, you are an entrepreneur, you are a business. But I think you cover that a lot, so I won't get into it much. The other two, though, I think are a lot more prevalent and they're just as important. One is the most common, and it's that attorneys see accounting as a necessary evil. So they know it has to be done. They know it's important, but the extent to which it's important is that it's something I just have to do. I have to do to stay compliant. I have to do it because the bar requires me to report on my trust accounting. I have to do it because I have to do taxes. And if I didn't have to do it, Mm. I wouldn't. So it's just this necessary evil that I have to do. I have to get through it just so I can stay compliant and stay out of trouble. And that is a huge misconception because like you were saying with goals, with the truth of numbers, there's a lot more to accounting than that. Uh, and that misconception of it being a necessary evil is a major, major problem. The third one, and I know you probably hear this quite a bit, is this misconception that I can't get into accounting because I'm not a numbers person. I'm just not, I'm not into that. I'm not into math, I'm not into numbers. So I can't really get into accounting. I've tried to get into it, but I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. That's a big misconception too, because like I said, with our own business, our founder would not call himself a numbers person, but he's surrounded himself yeah. with the right tools, the right team to be able to get the numbers that he needs. And that's the thing. I mean, you just said the magic word as far as I'm concerned is tools, right? One of the things that strikes me when you're talking about this and as I'm listening to you is, you know, seeing it as a necessary evil, because I see the behavior that that creates. When we see it as a necessary evil, when we see it as something we have to do for compliance, here's what I see law firm owners doing, business owners doing. First of all, a lot of them like think that they can do their own bookkeeping and then prepare their own accounts. Big mistake. But because mm-hmm. it's compliance, they're doing it like after hours, at the end of the day, on the weekend, and like they're they're making their data entry as quickly and and painfully as possible. And you know, just to get it all in there, to get the book straight so that they can provide the reports that the IRS, that the state government, that the IOLTA board, so that the lawyer is compliant. And then they're done. They are doing it for those entities. They're doing it for the government. They're doing it for their accountant. They're doing it for the bar. 
they're not doing it for themselves. It's an evil because it's something they have to produce for someone else. And they're not using it, and again, to come back to your magic word, they're not using it as a tool. They're not then bringing mm-hmm. that hard work that they just did back into the business to give them truth, to give them information. And that's, I think, a huge loss. Um, and I hope that we're shining a light on that here by you know talking about like, you know, boy, you're putting in all the work when you do that and you're not getting any of the benefit. You basically got it completely backwards. You need someone else to do the work so that you can get the benefit of the tool. Yep, 100%. Yeah. And you also mentioned that, you know, the, the concept, the statement that a lot of lawyers make that I, I can't get into it because I'm not just, I'm just not a numbers person. And you gave a great example of your CEO. I mean, your CEO, not a numbers person, he's running a bloody accounting firm. I hear it all the time. And, you know, I'm talking to lawyers. I'm sitting across the table or I'm sitting in a conference room or I'm sitting wherever talking to lawyers about this stuff. And I hear that and I'm like, hold on. Didn't you just have a seven figure settlement that you negotiated? Or didn't you just like negotiate a mega million dollar contract or construction contract? Or didn't you just, you know, do this huge family law arrangement where all the assets were divided and the quadro and everything else? And like you people, we, we are working with numbers all the time. Lawyers are numbers people. And the truth is that we are numbers people when it matters in our minds, when we think it matters. Why do numbers really matter? In the, the question I'd like you to like really address is, okay, we understand yeah. that it matters in a settlement. We understand that it matters in litigation. Why do numbers really matter in the business? You said that one yeah. misconception is that it's a necessary evil. Tell us, like, what about it can be part of the growth of achieving goals in their businesses? Right. No, that's a perfect question because it reminds me uh, when I was a kid and my mom would get frustrated because I could memorize all the batting averages <laughs> for a, a baseball team, but then get B's on different things. And so it goes back to that. <laughs> like if we care about something and it matters, we will prioritize it. And if it's just a necessary evil, we won't. And I think I'll let lawyers off the hook for a second because I don't think enough financial professionals. And I don't think in law school, there is much teaching about practical implications of what knowing your numbers mean. I think it, it is kind of viewed that way. And when you understand how it matters, how it impacts what you're actually trying to accomplish, we will kind of naturally prioritize it because we'll realize that it matters. So we break it down into really three layers. Like, you know, each one has more value, but these three layers all have direct impact on cash flow and on where your business stands. So the first layer is sealing the cracks. And that's basically just getting your bookkeeping together to a point where everything's being tracked and everything's being managed. So a few very specific examples of why this matters. We had a, this is very recently, we had a call with a, a newer client who after one review of a P&L realized that they could be saving about $30,000 a year in merchant fees. We had another call with a attorney early on who we actually physically, this is rare for us, but we physically went into their office and they were showing us, they're like, no, my stuff's all together. I know what I'm doing. Here's these file folders and how I do my invoicing and how I work through this. And as they're going through and flipping through these papers, the guy's like, oh, wait a second. Oh, this is an invoice for $4,000. That was from <laughs> nine months ago that <laughs> has never been paid. And so these things, and it's unbelievable how few attorneys have everything perfectly sealed up. And when you do, it's not even like, a, oh, you know your numbers more. It's like, no, you have more cash in your bank when you do this. And 99% mm-hmm. of the attorneys that come to us 
this is the, the problem they're having is they will have a practice management tool that they use for invoicing. They will have an accounting right. software that they're using for accounting. And then they will have, of course, their bank accounts. And they will say that all three of them are saying different things about what's going on with their financial situation. And so step one is sealing the cracks just so you can catch those mistakes, catch those errors, and be confident in where you are. The second layer right. to that, so where it gets a little bit more exciting, is where you get into real-time information. So some attorneys do have things sealed up, but they're not getting their reports until one month or two months or a lot of times a year later. And so how oh are yeah. you going to make good decisions? How are you going to be proactive if you are receiving your financial reports and you're receiving them in March of 2017 for your 2000, how you did in 2016. Okay, great. I, now I know what I did, but what can I do? What can I change? How do I, you know, make decisions based on that information? And so what we teach attorneys is to, you know, step one, steal the cracks, but step two is get a system in place where you are getting real time information. And so you know what clients are profitable, what expenses are having an impact or are not. So you can make decisions and make actual improvements on what you're doing. Then the third layer to that, and I know we'll come back into depth on all of these, but the third layer and where it gets even more advanced is what you talked about in the introduction and it's having accountability for your goal. And so I know something you teach in, in, on these podcasts and what you're helping people to understand is we should all have concrete goals. We should be trying to do something, whether that's grow to a certain level, hit certain targets, take a certain amount out of the business for yourself, all of those goals that you may have can be tied to numbers. They really have to uh, come, come down to a P&L of how much money is coming in, how much is going out, what are your margins, what can you comfortably take out, when can you comfortably hire, and what needs to be in place to make that hire. And so your numbers provide an accountability for that goal. I think a lot of people set goals and it's more of a hope. Like, this is my goal. I hope that I'm here by the end of the year. I'm going to work really hard with my firm. <laughs> and if I get there, yeah. I'll be happy. If I don't, I'll be sad. Whereas you can actually say, this is my goal. And now I'm going to build a target every month that I have to hit to make sure I'm on that goal. And when the end of the year comes, you're going to know whether you've hit it or not. And you can make adjustments throughout the year. So that's really the next level to it. But all those things are doable, and I think when you approach accounting that way, it becomes a little bit, a little bit more exciting. I don't know about sexy, but it's a little bit more exciting when you can do that. Well, yeah. I mean, what I think I'm hearing from you is that, and I, I know this to be true, that lawyers, law firms, and quite honestly, small business owners mm -hmm. are used to using accounting, the reports that you talk about, looking at their P&L, looking at their balance sheet, looking at various other reports they're looking at it like, how did we do? We said we were going to do this. Now at the end of the year, a year later, how did we do? And it's like like driving down the road with your eyes closed for 14 hours and then opening your eyes and going like, huh, are we anywhere near where we said we were right. going to be? You know, as a pilot, I can tell you, you know, that's, I think some pilots do that, right? It's just sort of like set the autopilot and then, then look down two hours later and say, are, are we close? But it's not a way to run a business any more than it is a way to run an airplane, right? You need to be checking your waypoints. You need to be checking 
Am I, you know, okay, after 10 minutes, I should be over this town. Am I over this town? After 10 more minutes, I should be over this river. Am I over this river? It's the same thing. And what you're saying is, is it needs to be a tool used to be driving decisions today. I'm going to grow my business by this much. I predict I'll need to hire an associate in March. Okay, you know, January hit my goal. February hit my goal. March, okay, hiring an associate. Um, it's it's it should be forward looking, and not just how did we do when you can't do anything about it. Exactly. Yep. So you said that it, like it all goes back to your goals. Your goals set the numbers you think you're going to have. Every goal becomes a number. I'm going to grow by this much. I want to pay myself this much. I want to hire this many people. It all comes down to numbers. And so accounting becomes, I think the way you're describing it, sort of a predictor, a way of, I guess, keeping score, if, if, you, if you can't say it in any other way, of where you are in the progress that you'd said that you were going to have. It all makes sense. I mean, that you know, what you're saying makes sense to me. I think that that's a great takeaway. But what I'm often hearing is that lawyers are focused on so many priorities. I mean, you know, this is all great. This, okay, wow, yay, uh, we need numbers. Numbers will help us make decisions. But you know what? I'm a lawyer. My actual job is lawyering. My actual job is going to court and winning cases. My actual job is negotiating contracts. My actual job is mergers and acquisitions. My actual job is is helping people get divorced without ruining their lives. My actual job is helping people plan their estates um, so that their families don't lose all their money to taxes and to other things that they that they could have avoided. How do I find time to prioritize this accounting? <laughs> Right. That is the big question. And actually, I will agree with you that as an attorney, your number one priority is to be a great attorney. And the only thing maybe secondary to that is making sure you find great clients to be a great attorney for. I think those are absolutely the top Mm -hmm. priorities. I guess my point in that would be to say that in order to prioritize being a great attorney, you need to prioritize making sure you are sustainable as a business and that you can find more great clients to serve. And without solid numbers, there's really no way to know that. So the most common question that we get, so, you know, we, we open it up and we say, what questions do you have? What questions do you have about your firm, about your numbers, about this or that? The most common question is super in-depth. This is what it is. Am I okay? <laughs> That's what it is. It's, Am I okay? Is this all going okay? And I think, can you be a great attorney if that question is lingering in the back of your mind? Or if you are struggling to sleep at night because you don't know if your trust account is underfunded? Those types of questions will inhibit your ability to be a great attorney. And we've seen that. And so when it comes down to time, it goes back to where we were before. And when you understand how important this is, how much you should prioritize it, you will find a way to, to make time. And I think it not only does what we were talking about and allows you to hit your goals and allows you to have a, a scorecard, but it also makes you a better attorney because it frees up some time, gives you peace of mind, uh, and, and you really can't put any you know price on that because that's, that's worth a lot in just your overall approach to everything you're doing. Clearly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, I want to talk about that concept of how it can actually you know, the, the concern is I don't have time. How can actually help us find more time? And we'll talk a little bit more about the mindset and the benefits of good accounting. Like, you know, let's bring this around to, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm buying in. What do I get when I do it right? But first, we're going to go to break and hear a word from our sponsor. And then we'll be back in just a moment. 
Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24 7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1 800 Answer One or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's answer the number one.com slash podcast. And we're back with the Unbillable Hour. Our guest is Mickey Deming, and we've been talking about accounting, um, but particularly we've been talking really about using numbers, using the metrics that come out of accounting as a tool to empower lawyers to have a better law firm that serves their goals, that helps them meet the reasons that they set forth to have a business in the first place. And when we went to the break, we were just now talking about finding time to get the accounting done and understanding the benefits that come from it. So Mickey, what I'd like to do is, is go there right now and say, you said that uh, you know it could give back some time. And so let's say, for instance, right now that attorney buys into this, has a change in mindset about accounting, understands that the numbers are a tool, but they're not a numbers person. For whatever that means, what is what is the difference between being a numbers person and using the accounting, using the numbers that you get as a tool in your business? Do you have to be a numbers person to do that? Right. No, that's a great point. And I like what you said earlier because you said, you know, law firms have this this challenge and also small business owners. And so I want to be clear that we're not uh, throwing lawyers under the bus here. This is definitely a pervasive challenge where that oh, yeah. moat of boredom surrounding accounting throws a lot of people off. And it does happen with law firms, with all kinds of small businesses, but you're right. So you're not a numbers person. The way I look at that, and I think it's timely as of this recording, so some people may listen to this later, but as of this recording, it is almost uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, it's coming up a few weeks away. And I don't think Tom Brady, he may not be a numbers person, but throughout the course of the game, he is very, very, very aware of the scoreboard and how much time is left on the clock and what the down is and how many yards to go and what the actual score of the game is. And when he knows those things, it impacts his decision-making. He's not just going to aimlessly run the same play in a specific situation uh, that he would if, if it were different. And I think our business is the same way. And so when you're not a numbers person, you still need to know that scoreboard. And like we were saying before, how am I doing in real time this month and versus last month and how it's projecting toward my goals. Now, what you said before, and I would say as well, is one of the biggest mistakes a lawyer can make is to be their own bookkeeper. And that is something that you may have the skills to be able to do that, but it's still a terrible, terrible use of time. And so if you are attempting that, whether you are or are not a numbers person, that can cause major problems. Number one, because of just the, the sheer use of time. And number two, uh, because I think like as this title is of the podcast is the unbuildable hour, that's not what you need to be doing. And so finding someone, finding a team, finding some way to get these numbers presented to you and explain to you in a way that makes sense should be the top priority. And so you don't have to be a numbers person. You don't have to be entering data or doing math, but you should be able to set goals and then receive the reports you need to tell you how you're doing that will act as that scoreboard that will impact your decision-making. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes me think about, you know, like, uh, oh, you know, officer, I was doing what? 85 in a 55? Well, see, the problem is I'm not a numbers person. So uh, it's okay, <laughs> right? You know, it's yeah. like, no. One of the things I talk about a lot is like, listen, you've got, whether you're a sole, a single shareholder of a law firm or you've got partners, you've got stakeholders, you've got a family who you are taking time away from them. You're taking time away from your spouse. You're taking time away from your children. You're taking time away from your significant other or whoever else you have in your life that depends on you and would like more of you. You borrow, you take time from them. And the kind of implicit promise is that you bring them back something. You bring them back some value. And you state what that value is, or at least should be really clear on what that value is. And then, you know, you need to know whether you hit it or not, or whether you need to do something different, do something more, more marketing, more sales, more learning, more whatever it is to hit that number. And I really love your point about not doing your own bookkeeping. And I think for the reasons that you stated, and also just for the concept of, you know, not getting too close to the numbers at that stage because you start to get subjective about it. You start to get emotional about it. Whereas if, when someone else does the numbers and brings them to you, you can mm -hmm. look at them a lot more dispassionately and with a lot more objectivity so that you can make better decisions. I really I really love uh, the way that you you set that up. So when we were talking about before, you, were, you gave sort of the three le levels about sealing up the cracks, making sure that you're tracking all the time um, and making more forward-looking decisions. But let's, if you don't mind, let's spend the last little bit of time that we have talking about how that actually benefits. Let's let's like let's drive it mm -hmm. home. Okay, we've talked about why it's important. The why is important. We've talked about how the three levels and how you get it done. Um, we've talked about mindset. So now let's talk about what do we get? We do this. What is the benefit? How do we know that this is something we want to spend our time on? What are the effects you've seen? Yeah, that's great. And that's probably the most important piece of this, because if we don't understand what this does, why would we prioritize it? And so I can break that in into some broad categories, but they're the ones that, that we're thinking about constantly and that lawyers are thinking about constantly. The first one I talked about a bit ago, and it's just pure and simple. It's confidence. So those people that are asking, am I okay? Or just wondering, am I okay? And like you were saying, where the, the truth will set you free, knowing the truth is necessary for you to have true confidence in your firm. And we all know what that's like to operate without confidence. It's not that fun because you're mm -hmm. always second guessing, you're always questioning, and you can't just truly be comfortable in your own skin. Well, your accounting is the same way. If you're just guessing or you're just waiting until, you know, 15 months later to find out how you did, there's no true way to have confidence. And so when you have a system in place for financials, yeah, it might be painful at first to face the truth, um, but that's the only way to possibly have some type of confidence over what's going on. And when you have sealed the cracks, like we talked about before, you also have this level of confidence that a lot of people don't have that, you know, everything is being accounted for. And that's kind of nice to know that you're mm -hmm. getting paid what you deserve, that you aren't just missing anything, which can be a lingering question in the back of people's mind. And so that confidence is worth a lot. Another thing is very simply is saving time. Like you're saying, and we see this a lot, spending time on weekends, spending time at late hours, going through all these different systems that aren't working together can be a huge waste of time. So when you have a system that works and is efficient, it's very practical that you are going to save time, which I think we all, you know, that's something we all 
want to have. Another benefit that, that we see a lot and we touched on a bit is the decision-making component. So when you have real-time information, when you are looking forward, you can make better decisions. So if I'm debating on hiring an associate, like you were talking about before, what am I using to make that decision? Am I just kind of guessing or am I just going because of business has been picking up, so I should probably hire? Or am I making a real practical decision based on facts that I can be, again, confident in and then do it in a way that, you know, makes sense? Then the fourth benefit, and this one I guess probably should hit home the most, is something I talked about at the very beginning, but it's just pure and simple. You have more money in the bank. You have more cash because I can't tell you how many times we've seen expenses that are going unchecked, invoices that are not being collected. The poor accounting system is not only giving you a lack of information, it's giving you a lack of cash because there's people are missing stuff all the time and are unaware of what's going on. And so when you have a good accounting system in place, when you're not letting invoices sit in your office for too long and you're not letting expenses be, you know, not reviewed, you're going to probably have more money. Uh, and so all of that, I think, ties together into just a awareness and confidence in the viability of the firm, which will make you a better attorney, which will give you confidence of, you know, having sustainability and give you kind of a, a bigger picture focus rather than always, and I know you talked about this before, but being in the business versus on the business. When you don't know what's going on, right. you're going to always be in the business and trying to um, plug up these holes. Whereas when you have a system in place, you can actually zoom out and work on the business, look at a P&L and know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's even worse. It's not, you know what? It's worse. It's not just that lawyers, including me, are spending time plugging up the holes. What they actually mm -hmm. get to doing is, you know what? I don't even know what the holes are. So I'm yeah. just going to keep pouring water in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the solution to keep my bucket full is to pour more water in the bucket faster and faster and faster. That'll keep everything afloat. And, you know, what you're talking about here, you know, you said sealing up the cracks. I think it's a great metaphor, right? Is sealing those holes and understanding where they are, which then means you don't have to pour as much water, which means you can actually focus more. It's a virtuous cycle. Focus more on your business, which does save you time. It saves you time from not taking that case you know you shouldn't have taken, but you weren't confident about your numbers that you were going to hit your revenue that you needed to keep the lights on this month. Um, it's about saving time about, like you said, not doing your bookkeeping at night. I mean, imagine imagine someone who hired a bookkeeper and the bookkeeper came to them and said, this is great. You're hiring me to do your books and I'm going to do your books. But tell you what I'm going to do. You see, on the side, I make pizzas. And yeah. so I'm going to make pizzas all day. I go to work at like eight in the morning and I usually leave the office around 730 or eight. And then I'm going to have dinner with my wife and kids. And then I'm going to do your books at night until I fall asleep on the computer and maybe mm -hmm. my hand bangs out a few extra numbers and maybe it doesn't. Is that okay with you? Can I be your bookkeeper? <laughs> and obviously we'd all say like, no, you can't be my bookkeeper, mm -hmm. but yet this is what we lawyers do all the time. Guilty as charged. I understand it, but there is a better way. 
And then, you know, like you said, with understanding the, the money coming in, I mean, it's all about it's all about having the power to make better decisions. And one thing I just wanted to touch on real quick was like, what if like we, we talked about not being a numbers person. There are people like once you have good numbers, if you're really still struggling to say what they mean, like do these numbers tell me I can hire or not hire? Like you can use like a CFO or someone to help you interpret the numbers around something like that, right? Yeah, and that is there are different, you know, varying levels to knowing the numbers. And I think part of it in saying what we said that you should not be your own bookkeeper. It's not only because having a bookkeeper will help you seal up the cracks. But also, even if they're not a CFO level, you know, ability there, you can do that. Absolutely. You can get an expert that will be able to tell you exactly what your P&L means, exactly what that looks like going forward. That can be a little bit advanced. But even with a basic P&L, you can talk to, you know, your bookkeeper who knows what's going on and just have a simple conversation of like, what does this mean to me? You know, what, what does this actually mean in terms of what I can take out and what type of impact would a hire have? And most accounting software would allow you to kind of extrapolate over, you know, adding a new revenue item or a new expense item. And you can, in a sense, be your own CFO just by seeing that. You don't have to be a numbers person. You can just ask the right questions of the person working in your financial system and at least be more informed as you look ahead rather than just flipping a coin and making that decision. Makes sense. So as we wrap up in the last few minutes that we've got, let's talk next steps. Let's presume... Mm -hmm. That, you know, because my listeners listen to every word that we say on this show and do everything that we tell them to do, that they're all completely on board right now with getting right with their numbers. But I know they're thinking, this sounds great, but I've got a total mess right now. What are some foundational steps that they can take to start to get back on track? I would believe that you would say it would, it's never too late, but how can they start getting back on track and getting right with their numbers? Yeah, and that is the question. And, and so the first point there is, you know, how does this go wrong? Like with everything we've talked about, you realize like, okay, this is something I want to prioritize. Like why don't more attorneys do it? I think what happens is most don't prioritize it from day one. And I can't say that I blame an attorney for not prioritizing this from day one, because when you're first starting, there are a million things to think about and you still have to be a great attorney on top of all of that. And so accounting is almost always going to be left you know, to the back burner. And I, I can relate to that. But the problem is when you get off to a bad start, you're behind the eight ball right from the beginning and you're always playing catch up. And so most people we talk to, that's their situation is this is a mess. What do I do to get out of this mess? And so you really can break this down into steps. The very first thing that I would say you need to prioritize, and this is not going to get you anywhere near you know, the level what we were just talking about, but will really help is make sure you are getting your bills out. <laughs> and I would think that most attorneys would prioritize that, but it's surprising how much I hear that that's a struggle. Yeah. It sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but it isn't. And, you know, yeah. some of our listeners are going, oh, come on. But let me tell you guys, yeah. like 40 to 50% of you aren't doing this. Yeah. Make sure those are out. And then the second step is make sure you're relentlessly tracking your client funds. So the trust accounting thing mm -hmm. is big and and that's something you don't want to have to, you know, find out the hard way. Track that, track your transfers, oh, yeah. track, you know, where those funds are. The third thing you can do is get an accounting software that's going to pull your bank transactions and your credit card transactions. So most modern accounting will do this. We use Zero, 
A lot of people use QuickBooks Online. Both of those will pull all of your bank transactions and all your credit card transactions. And just for people who aren't familiar, that zero is XERO, right? Right, correct. Yeah, XERO. Um, What we've seen work best is where an attorney will have a practice management software that they're using for their timekeeping, their billing, their client-related expenses, and where you will keep your client balances there. But that in itself is not an accounting system. So use that to track your clients, track your matters, get your invoices out. But then to have a secondary system that is for accounting, where you get financial reports, where you get the business as a whole, where you also track your IALTA, but you also track your operating account. Having those two systems separate, we've seen work really well because the accounting system acts as a second set of eyes for your trust account activity and to give you the um, reporting as a whole. And the software is getting to the point where it's getting a lot easier. So you can integrate a lot of times your practice management system with your accounting system. And like I said before, the accounting will pull your bank transactions and your credit card transactions. And a lot of times people will ask like, well, what what software should I use? And that's again Mm -hmm. a question that I'll push back and say, you as an attorney should not be the one answering that question. Who's the one doing the work? (laughs) Who is your, your bookkeeper going to be? If it's you, then you're already, I think, asking the wrong question. So whoever right. is going to be doing that that bookkeeping, let them use whatever system they're comfortable with that's going to be able to pull information from your practice management and pull information from the bank accounts. Then they'll know how to get you the reports that are needed. But those are basically the steps. Just get your bills out, track your client funds, and then get an accounting software that's going to communicate with your bank and your practice management. Fantastic. And as you stated before, I mean, this these steps will help you to be more confident about your numbers, to help you grow if that's what your goal is, to help hold you accountable to your business and your business, most of all, accountable to you so that you have a law firm business that grows for you. Mickey, thanks so much for your time today. I think this has been ridiculously informative for the audience. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks a lot, Chris. It was a lot of fun. I think uh, we can we can make accounting fun if we if we keep working at this. I agree. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm excited about it. So thanks again. <laughs> so that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Mickey Deming, and you can learn more about him and Kahuna Accounting at uh, www.kahunaaccounting.com. The Twitter feed is at Kahuna for Business. That's Kahuna, the number four business. And at LinkedIn, at Kahuna-Accounting. This is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.
Learn by Doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.